This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, this is Jenners. Hey, this is Matt Hartsby. And this is the very first episode of... Mixtape Memories! Memories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess we should talk a little bit about ourselves and, um, you know, kind of how this came to be. This is something we've been thinking of for quite a while. And it's nice to finally start this up. Yeah, no, it's like, uh, I feel like the older we get, the more nostalgia we're kind of caught up in yeah and um and it's all kind of coming back around so it feels like maybe the right time lots of bands are reuniting yes (laughs) and uh lots of uh you know old music nostalgia is happening yeah and 20th anniversary tours and so (laughs) on and so forth exactly which kind of it boggles my mind when i'll see a band and it's I saw them the first time around, and now it's the 20th anniversary. It's like, <laughs> how did this happen exactly? <laughs> but anyway, I guess we should kind of tell our listeners a little about a little bit about who we are and whatnot. Yeah. So you want to go first? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, grew up with a love of music, and I always thought I was going to be like a, a music journalist (laughs) and um went to school for journalism wrote on newspapers and stuff like that and then but there really wasn't like a place where that was like covering the kind of music that I was like listening to Mm -hmm. so I would be reading like magazines and like different websites and like nobody was really covering it and this was kind of like 2002 Mm -hmm. um towards the end of 2002 i decided to start a blog and i had this nickname from high school uh jenners and that's what i called it Mm -hmm. and um and then but it was like really before blogging really had a definition it was just like a way to express yourself yeah i feel like yours was one of the earlier ones yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, like, I remember, like, the modern age. Like, I feel like of that course, was, like, yeah. the first kind yeah. of real music That was, blog. like, a breakthrough one, I yeah, feel. Yeah, that was definitely a breakthrough. How I kind of got the idea, oh, like, I could just write about, you know, the music that I'm going to see and the music that I'm buying and kind of share my, you know, experience with whoever was reading and I think it was what was cool at the time is that uh, people who were reading our sites, act- they really did care about, uh, you know, um, what we were suggesting and where we were going. And um, I don't know. It was a cool moment in time, you know. Yeah. It was like the first kind of like very um, direct way that you could kind of communicate with people like through what is now known as a blog. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. But do, I don't, I did they like have the, that word for maybe because blogger blogger dot com? Like a blog spot. <laughs> blog uh, spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just feel like now the term has a totally different feel or meaning when you hear the word. Yeah, know? that's true. It's kind of grimace a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> kind um, of has a connotation these days. Yes. But <laughs> um. So I grew up in Brooklyn, and I would say since the age of like maybe thirteen or so, I was pretty just obsessed with back in the day when it was VH1 and MTV and they actually, I don't know, played stuff that I was interested in. And then just, you know, bought a gazillion cassettes and was obsessed with alternative radio throughout the mid-90s. Um, and, yeah, all the way until pretty much college and then kind of explored some music outside of the mainstream and um, that was super fun. And, you know, at a certain point we'll talk about various mixtapes and mix CDs and kind of that whole journey how our tastes formed really yeah like. yeah uh and then after that i would say a couple years after college maybe i was around 24 25 and i was a part of a website called the music slut which was fairly successful at the time and um was a lot of fun and i was i was part of that site for God, x amount of years i don't remember that what the x is <laughs> but uh, <laughs> That was fun. And then after that, I had started a, a second site, which I ran for seven years up until a year or two ago called A Heart as a Spade. Uh, and yeah, it, during that time that both sites were going on, um, there were various DJ stints and shows that I helped curate. And um, yes, the showcases, the showcases <laughs> yeah. on the Lower East Side, which now I don't even I don't think anyone does that. CMJ. Anymore. CMJ was <laughs> when a it was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> South by before a major sponsor was, you know, hosting a major pop star at X space. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a really fun time and, and um, a fun age to sort of do that, I feel. Um, yeah. Like there was like a music scene happening in New York in New know? York yeah and and then suddenly that kind of like hipster kind of indie electro kind of scene that was like happening in Williamsburg Brooklyn became like worldwide mm -hmm. like I think a New York Times story oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me I feel like it was happening when it was really breaking it was my junior senior year of of college and I went to school in the DC area but I remember playing on my college radio show like Rapture, Yeah Yeah Strokes, mm. so on and so mm -hmm. forth and and then kind of coming back to New York after I graduated and it was just like mega explosion. Oh yeah. You know? Um <laughs> like it was everybody it became like a, a culture, part of like a, a segment of our culture. Yeah. People are like Indie rock is like a style now. Exactly. <laughs> Not and just a type of music. And I recall back in the day when press releases were very different then, but if it didn't say that it was a Brooklyn-based trio or whatever, I automatically had a little less interest, which is, I mean, kind of snobby to think. But, yeah. I, you know, that's how it was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like back then I, I had the energy to, like, go out to a show every night. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And it was actually, like, kind of the first time I really, like, heavily went out to shows that weren't, like, these, you know, bigger artists. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, just, like, buying tickets in advance, like, mm -hmm. pretty well in advance, like, all the, and scheduling everything. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, 
okay, I'm going to see five shows this week, and then next week, this is my schedule, and mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. the following week, this is my schedule. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just being obsessed. Yeah, me too. Me too. And not really caring if I got home at two in the morning, but I feel like nowadays, yeah. I don't know, suddenly I became either very old very quickly, or I don't know, our priorities change as we get older. Yeah. And also, I think the scene has changed in New York to the point where I don't recognize a lot of it, and mm-hmm. I... I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel the connection I used to. And m- maybe part of it is age, but part of it is I don't feel like there's a ton of stuff coming out right now that is at least local here in New York that is uh, moving me in any sort of major way. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I really haven't found much music to connect with, like little things here and there, but nothing that I'm like obsessing over. And like dying to see it's like the last real concert that I went to that I bought tickets to mm-hmm. <laughs> was slow dive. And that was like a major deal to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, sure. <laughs> I was like, ah, that's like my childhood. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was amazing, no? Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. They even like I think like the beginning of their set, like it um the power malfunctioned. And so they started playing. It sounded like freaking amazing. And then the l- just everything shut off. And you're just, wait, wait, is this part of the show? Like, you didn't know? And uh, and we we're waiting. And then, like, they basically just walked off stage, <laughs> figuring it out, and then came back and just, like, continued on. And it was, like, just the most amazing thing ever, the rest Aww. of the show. But uh, what was the last... The last show that I've seen that I bought a ticket to. Yeah. Um, goodness. Well, I mean, there are the c- there are certain artists that I see pretty much all the time when they're in town, but uh, but it's just bands that I follow through the years. Like probably one of the last shows I bought a ticket to was at Elsewhere, which is relatively new venue yeah. in Bushwick uh, from the Pop Gun guys. Uh, I saw the Twilight Sad, and it's mm-hmm. a band I've seen many times over the last decade and um but what what it changed which kind of threw me is that uh now this is a band i've seen like i said so so many times for some reason th- at this last show i feel like everyone there was 21 or younger <laughs> in fact like everyone in the front i feel like had x's on their hands and that really <laughs> threw me because that was never the case so maybe they're soundtracking some sort of teenage film and that's how these new kids discovered them are you still standing up front always or sometimes Uh, are you in the back of the room uh you know what these days i don't really need to be in the front but for that show i I just kind of i did kind of saunter right to the front yeah yeah yeah. i just want i don't know for that band in particular is it's a little atypical to what i listen to these days because it's kind of loud and they're kind of i don't know it's pretty emotional music um but i don't know i've had a connection with them through the years so that that was a notable one that I've bought a ticket to in the last couple months, but there's not a ton, ton of stuff. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of how it is. If I'll, if I'll go to a bigger show now, I, I want to go to something that, um, I know I'm going to love, whether it's a, a new wave act, you know, I'll, I'll always see Depeche Mode when they're around or, or new order or so on and so forth. But, um, or like, you know, I want to see these big R&B divas that I've never seen back mm, in the day. Yeah. So in the last few years, I've seen Diana Ross and Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight and um, Aretha before she passed. Nah. So for me, Shaka, like for me, it's I want to, s- you know, you're going to get a good show with someone like that. Mm-hmm. And 
there's only so much time left, you right. know? So those I will pay for. And, and in a lot of cases, those are not cheap tickets. Yeah. <laughs> no, I imagine that. Yeah. yeah. I know. I kind of shy away, even though I want to see a lot of those, like, big-time artists. Like, I just shy away from really, like, kind of big-size venues, mm -hmm. like, a lot. Um, like, stadiums, arenas. Yeah. Like, it's not really, like, my kind of thing, maybe. No. I can't think of what the biggest venue I've been in recently is, but... I mean, it was like, I don't know, Town Hall or yeah. like um, Radio City. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking I actually, I went to see Nick Cave at Barclays, which kind of is crazy. Barclays is a basketball stadium that holds like 15,000 people. Um, but I wasn't going to go because I've seen Nick Cave many times in smaller rooms that are like four or 5,000 capacity. But... It wasn't selling super hot just because it was so, so big, and they were offering $20 seats. And I said, he's such an incredible live performer that I wanted to go again. And I have to say, he really commanded that huge room. But, of course, when you're not right in the front, the connection is very different. People, you know? like, cry. People get really emotional, <laughs> yeah. And I, I really will have to, in my view, he's one of the best living mm. uh, performers. Just really, it is an emotional roller coaster when you yeah. see him. Um, so maybe that was the last thing I paid for, but I feel like it was just 20 bucks. So it was, you know, wow. it was kind of a no brainer to go see that. 20 bucks. Yeah. Really? Yeah. At Barclays? At Barclays. I mean, I, I was in the bleachers, <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah. I still haven't been. And I think it's just cause it's like, it's, it just feels too intimidating. Yeah. For it's kind of daunting to be in a room that big and, and see music. And you also never know who you're going to sit next to. And maybe that's also part of getting older and being cranky or something, but um, I was recently actually another somewhat big show. I saw Sharon Renetton, who I've known forever, mm. and I'm sure we'll talk about at some point during this this series. But um, uh, she headlined Beacon, her biggest show to date, and I was seated next to this couple that, you know, talking over the show and making out and selfies, uh. and it's just like, why why did you pay money to go <laughs> to this? You know, <laughs> but I think for a lot of people, it's more about. Like a something date. to post on social media or something to yeah like a date yeah then it is about actually experience a lot experiencing live performance right you know yeah it's just their vehicle to make it out <laughs> yeah yeah so did you have people making you mixtapes back in the day i did i mean i feel like um for I made the the vast majority of them, but mm. there are a few that stand out for me that other folks made me. Yeah. Um, and there was one that I received in college. I feel like just a few weeks into college when I was kind of making friends and whatnot. And uh, I'm still close with this person still. Her name's Amanda. And we've been friends for almost 20 years. And she made me this mixtape, and it had lots of great stuff on it, from Jeff Buckley to... Uh, Oh goodness, New Order. It had some Depeche Mode, but what really kind of, and I was somewhat at that point in time, I was somewhat familiar with those acts, just because, like I said, I was so glued to alternative radio. But I wasn't as familiar with um, the Smiths and Morrissey, which now you know I've been obsessed wow. with for twenty years. <laughs> which is kind of crazy to think. That's the origin story. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of the origin. Uh, but she made me a mixtape, and um, you know the the. The songs she put on there were actually not singles. 
um, she put a couple songs on there from Louder Than Bombs, and one of them was uh, Half a Person, which I, I heard his voice and I heard that, you know, the lyric of Call Me Morbid, Call Me Strange, and uh, I was just like, what's going on? I, I was always familiar with his face because embarrassingly enough in the mid 90s like every other teenager i was obsessed with Alanis Morissette and whenever i would look at the in the record store at m o r i it was always there he was and uh, i never really i don't know I, I i was familiar of course with like you know the bigger singles like more you ignore me and whatnot but i wasn't i don't know i never really uh, dived too deep and um hearing that and then i I forget I don't recall what the second song was but it was another song from Louder Than Bombs and that kind of catapulted me into really becoming this mega fan which I've been for 20 years I mean I didn't know who Morrissey was until I saw like like when he was doing the solo stuff and I saw like on MTV like he he appeared on MTV and all these kids were like screaming and crying (laughs) and I was like I don't even know who this guy is (laughs) like what who is this right. like why are they going crazy and uh but that's what kind of sparked me to like investigate more and like and then kind of like discovering more the smiths and mm-hmm. um and that whole catalog which is like you know i had adopted like a smith's lyric mm-hmm. like as my tagline for uh-huh. jenners like um it was uh, it was just to see, you know, all the things you knew I'd, I'd written, written about, about you. Yeah. <laughs> Did, wait, didn't it play on your site when you when it loaded, or am I crazy? God, I don't remember. I almost it's feel like it was like... an autoplay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. maybe I'm losing my mind. I think <laughs> I just like wrote it out okay, like okay. underneath. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like um, I don't know. So, but I, I just thought like, oh, it kind of works with the whole blog and because i feel like did you feel like people were like tuning into your blog like and connecting with you as like a person ever because like i don't know about that because i didn't share too much personal stuff i feel like a lot of the other bloggers were more um it was more like the experience of going to the show and like an actual recap and i feel like i did that from time to time but a lot of it was just you know back in the day you and i both were receiving so 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 many pitches yeah from folks and a lot of times i listened to it once twice and just post it right away so it was it was like a i think my site anyway was more just like a constant influx of new things that i don't know were something cool to check out that they maybe hadn't heard before but uh i didn't share too many stories per se i feel like you probably did more of that yeah i think yeah. i use it as like kind of almost like a diary mm-hmm in a lot of ways um or just like a retelling of my night mm-hmm. basically um t- like and usually i was just at a show mm-hmm. and you know back then yeah like you're up front you're taking photos mm-hmm. the band either likes that you're taking photos <laughs> or they hate that yes. you're taking <laughs> photos um and then you start to see the same people up front because everyone else is a freaking blogger or yeah, photographer. And, 
you know and yeah like that's how friendships were formed yeah I feel (laughs) like uh, it was even if you didn't know people when you if you were at the Delancey one night and then you're at pianos the next night and I'm talking about all these venues on the Lower East Side of Manhattan yeah you got to know people and form these friendships and Mm -hmm. um it just made sense because you're in the same room as these people and not only are you in the same room you're usually up front and you might as well bs with them before the next band starts yeah pretty soon the security guys know who yeah, you exactly. are exactly the they're, the they're like oh you i know you yeah. <laughs> it's like oh really yeah. <laughs> like wow i must be here a lot <laughs> but it, i mean yeah but in a way it was kind of cool too yeah you know? i know it was addictive to like hang out um at a club for me because like i feel like i grew up so like sheltered and like not allowed to do much like not even like go to the movies with my friends that like when I came to New York it was like this total freedom that I like never had so it was just like every new experience was like super addictive it'd be like oh my god I didn't know going to live shows was so fun and like you know that feeling you get when you like hear like a new band live yeah. and you're like wow what is this and it is kind of an addicting thing yeah. you know or it was yeah yeah it was <laughs> i know well i don't know if we've lost the addiction or we just like aren't going out um, yeah like would it re-spark like if you're going out every night I don't think I have the energy for it with everything else that, that I do and you do. It's a lot, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> older and, like, too many responsibilities. I like, if I'm going to a gig now, such as, you know, Nick Cave at, at Barclays or Shannon Van Etten at Beacon, I like that the headliner's on at 9. <laughs> <laughs> the show's over around 10.30, and I could be home at a reasonable hour. I, I think the days of me waiting to see you know the new hip band at a smaller club at midnight midnight mm. set time literally 12 30 past midnight yeah. <laughs> it's like what i don't have it in me are you anymore crazy? yeah <laughs> who goes to those shows <laughs> do people go do i people guess go? i don't i, I think it's a, it's a, almost like a full generation younger than us now it's kind of scary to think like who are these people yeah <laughs> like um i but guess you know, millennials right yeah um but yeah but i was gonna say this i feel like there's still some stuff that's targeted to us perhaps that is also for me a little too late like for example there's this morrissey dance party that once in a blue moon i'll go to in greenpoint this this venue also has other sort of new wave and dark wave and kind of 80s pop nights and um doors are at 11 and i'm sorry i know it's a saturday but 11 to 4 I don't know if I could really no do way. it. I have to really prepare myself, <laughs> you know, these days to do that. Yeah, I mean, they should at least have the courtesy of, like, starting at 9 or something. Yeah, A little yeah. more reasonable. Exactly. Like, everyone's eating dinner, <laughs> and now they're ready to dance. Exactly. <laughs> like, 11, 11. 11 is, and also, if you're, the, if you're the fool that shows up right at 11, you're the first one, and that's always awkward. Yeah. You know? it, like, the party's not, re- then it's like, it has to be, like, 1 a.m. Yeah, for exactly. it to really kind of be full, and, like. I have to have a disco nap and, and, I don't know, kind of prepare the night accordingly. (laughs) Right. You have to kind of shift your whole (laughs) day. (laughs) And then Sunday is gone. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I I mean, I just, in general, I just have a lot of fond memories from that time period of, like, I don't know what it was, 03 to 
whatever it was, 2009. I don't know, in that yeah. somewhere in that gap. Um, I just feel like it was a good time to make new friends, discover new bands. Uh, you know, also I think you and I did a somewhat fair amount of DJing from time to time, just from our laptop, and yeah. that was super fun. You know, that was fun. It was like kind of refreshing to for people like because it's like they're get like hiring us for a very specific kind of music Mm -hmm. i thought you know and like so it's like oh somebody wants to know what am i listening to or like whatever and that's what i would play i wouldn't necessarily play to get the room dancing it was more of like a curated playlist of sorts exactly you know although once i do recall like once in a while i would let loose and start playing like 80s madonna when it when it was when it hit yeah. two in the morning you know yeah <laughs> i think i was a more like stubborn dj like i just recently told someone the story of like i was like djing at camp and like it was it which is a bar in brooklyn and um they like somebody came up to me and was like trying to get me to play michael mcdonald <laughs> <laughs> And I, he was like, uh, he, I got he got up to like offering me like eighty bucks oh, to like wow. play a Michael McDonald song, and I just like wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so stubborn. Now I look back, I'm like, I should have taken that oh, eighty bucks, like cash. downloaded something. I actually have a very quick Michael McDonald story because um, my day job, I'm a music publicist. Uh, although some of the acts I work with fall outside of the music realm and into theater experimental whatever but anyway uh i recently fairly recently a couple months ago worked with michael mcdonald because he came to one of the venues that i work with um and i don't have a personal relationship with him because i never really that was never my scene that was the music to me is super cheesy um but i gotta say like i met him and he was super chill super friendly very grateful um and he's also for me one of those artists so i stayed for the show of course um and he's one of those artists you don't realize you know every lyric of every song because whenever you're at you know you're in an elevator it's a michael mcdonald song whenever (laughs) at the laundromat it's a michael mcdonald song whenever at the supermarket it's a michael mcdonald song he has so many gigantic hits and i have to say for someone who i wouldn't call myself a fan i i actually kind of enjoyed it yeah well it's just funny because it's like i'm telling the story and they're like uh we love Michael McDonald. <laughs> like all three of the people that I was sitting with, they're all like, we love Michael McDonald. And they were like preaching to me. I'm like, it's not that I like don't like Michael McDonald, but it's just not what I DJ. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, you don't exactly. have to like prove anything to me. It's not, I'm not like hating on Michael McDonald. Oh, of course. Because like, of course they're like, oh no, you got to listen to this song. No, you got to listen to this song. And I'm right. like, no, 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 no. I just don't DJ. No. <laughs> and I feel like one, if you were to, it changes the vibe entirely yeah. from whatever you were playing before. Like, what transitions into that? I right, don't know. Right, right. Although, <laughs> I feel like um, someone, you know, uh, Russ, uh-huh. uh, like, had me DJ some night that he was doing, and it was so funny to me because I was like, oh, people will hire me to DJ indie rock, so, like, that's what I'm doing. And yeah. he was like, what is this music? <laughs> <laughs> What did he want or what did he expect? Uh, probably like pop music yeah, yeah. and dance, you know, dancey, yeah. kind of upbeat, whatever music. And I'm like playing Built a Spill. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, this is a cool song, I swear. <laughs> I remember you were working with a, with a venue and uh, you kind of were like, why don't you come on Saturday night and, and like That's right. DJ and play some pop stuff? Because there are a lot of people that 
that come by the venue and want to hear pop music. And I happened to have a, you know, at the time when pre-streaming and everything was MP3, I had a, a whole uh, collection of really terrible modern pop music. Yeah. music. And I recall that was super fun and also strange because if I'm going to listen to, I don't know, Kesha or something, it'd be like in the privacy of my own, <laughs> you know, earphone. But it was weird to play that stuff out and have people go nuts. And um, that was fun for a couple, I think it was like a couple weekends. That was a fun thing. So yeah, thanks for that. That's like really <laughs> performing, right? It kind of yeah. feels like you are like reading the crowd. Like, yeah. Because it's like a stage versus like a closed off booth or something where you kind of feel separated exactly you're in the open and you're on a stage yeah yeah that's probably like because uh yeah totally i'm glad you did that what was interesting too is that those folks don't want to hear remixes or any sort of transitions they want to hear the kesha into britney into gaga into you know what was popular you know at that time uh which i thought was super interesting because whenever i played something that wasn't the identical radio version I got the strangest looks. So you're like, wait, what is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, lowest common denominator. That's yeah. what, sometimes yeah. like that's what people want. Um, something they're familiar with. Um, although sometimes you could do like the random like internet songs like Double Rainbow. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned. That. I recall back in the day when the meme culture was first starting and. Uh, and all those viral clips. And I remember I would play, like, uh, for kicks, um, I would DJ that Antoine Dodson. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, what was the climbing in your window? Yeah. <laughs> like People intruder. Would, yeah, thank you. Bad intruder or whatever. People would love it. And I remember DJing, like, Rebecca Black Friday. Yes. I, just for a joke. But people ate it up. Yeah. 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 I know. I guess that was, like, a, a wave, like, mm-hmm. of just songs that were made from memes exactly <laughs> i actually watched something that was recently i think it was on bet maybe i watched it on youtube about like where are they now and antoine dawson was oh one of them gosh. and where is he now where is it now it's been a decade <laughs> you know oh my gosh did you find out <laughs> uh he if i recall correctly he is married with a child um kind of re- re- reversed his sexuality i don't know something found jesus wow yeah and uh, is I think he's still making a fair deal of money from the song oh, somehow. My gosh! <laughs> so I, I never got so lucky to have a beam beam song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jen, was there a particular mixtape or or memory of yours that? Uh, I don't know, something that you're fond of from from back in the day that was maybe influential? Yeah, um, I had a friend in high school that always made me mixtapes. I couldn't, like, afford to really, like, buy CDs or cassettes, like, for myself. And my parents definitely didn't buy it for me. And so, um, you know, this guy, Dan, made me mixtapes in high school. So I still have... Like, I think all of the ones that he made me. And I'm so jealous that you held on to them, <laughs> by the way. I wish I did the same. I think that's like, tells you maybe how meaningful they were f- to mm-hmm. me and how, like, how, uh, and basically, like, they formed my whole musical taste. So mm-hmm. I, like, d- 
didn't even know it was called indie rock i don't think mm-hmm. like back in the 90s but um now it's that's what it's called but um to me it was just like cool music that my friend you know found in like catalogs and <laughs> like uh just by knowing how, reading the cool zines or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and i think i was lucky in that respect that like somebody took time to kind of like because it's a total curation you know it is no the well yeah the art of it is a whole nother topic oh. we'll explore absolutely <laughs> and um but I felt like on almost every mixtape he had like a stereo lab song. Mm-hmm. So I fell in love with them without really knowing like, you know, who they were really or anything about them. I mean, like the only way you really found out about bands back in the day was like reading through like print materials, mm-hmm. like magazines. Um, or yeah, I guess if you had like a zine or something. Mm-hmm. Um that was it but like you know i'm not i was i think i was buying mag- like spin <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> you know that was my magazine that i read so you know there's no like internet or wikipedia <laughs> page to look up back then to mm-hmm. like totally absorb everything exactly about an artist you yeah just... we had to work a lot harder in general i feel yeah i remember going to tower records and just obsessively looking at the billboard charts and and you know obviously all the british publications uh, you know q enemy so on um and really studying it in a lot of cases not purchasing it because it was imported in 12 dollars and you know yeah it's just like it's it's expensive yeah um yeah you're right like a lot of the cool shit was like uk mm-hmm. <laughs> or like overseas and so you'd have to pay more to get it um, or just know someone that could get it <laughs> yes yes so yeah i know that yeah everything dan played for me so like yeah it was like pavement and the smiths mm-hmm. and like uh let's see here. i have one right here in front of me and and all these names are still like relevant today like kathleen hannah is on here built to spill mm-hmm. sevido velocity girl like mm-hmm. You know, Stereo Labs back, back in action now yeah, too. Um, Galaxy Five Hundred. I don't know. I guess you can tell why I like shoegaze music so much. <laughs> it's like very shoegazy. Uh, and that was also, I mean, it was the moment for it. That, yes. You know. Yeah, I didn't even. I I don't even think that I knew what shoegaze was in high school. That was a term I learned later in life. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so yeah. kudos to Dan. <laughs> yeah, kudos. Yeah. So back in the day in our blogging days, do you feel like there was uh, an artist that you were kind of um, synonymous with? Like your s- people thought of you and they thought of that particular band uh, because you were such a champion of theirs? Yeah, definitely. I think um, most people would say that I was like a practically the Walkman blog. <laughs> Everything I was at every show, every secret show, every double show, <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> I was there, and probably there when they even least expected it. <laughs> like I, I feel like I remember going to see the Walkman at South by Southwest one year, at some warehouse somewhere, and 
one of them was like, what the heck? Are you, what? Like, <laughs> like they were so around. confused. <laughs> they were like, wait, we usually see this face in New York. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, but it was easy to get obsessed with them because, I mean, I, I feel like for as big as, you know, Interpol got with Turn on the Bright Lights and Strokes and Yeah Yeahs with their respective debuts and EPs and whatnot. The Walkmen were always, um, I feel like, a little more mysterious, but also a little more under the radar. So they were, which made them perhaps a little more accessible in a way. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I um, kind of knew the guy who started Star Time International, which was like, a very like New York hipster uh, record label that um, that had the Walkman on it mm-hmm. and like French Kicks and like Brendan Benson mm-hmm. and just like a ton of bands. And I worked at a place where one of my coworkers, his band was on Star Time. Mm-hmm. So like, but I had met that the guy Isaac Green like a long time ago, in, back in college. Believe it or not. And I remember him talking about how he was going to start a record label. <laughs> and I was all like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> and then fast forward, like reconnected with him again through my coworkers band and going. So I was going to see like my coworkers band um, Team USA mm-hmm. and they were um, that's kind of like how I got back into going to see like live music because before that I think I just went to like the college concert right. of the year yeah. or whatever like at As NYU yeah. <laughs> you know like the programming board concerts yeah. but like not really like to concerts on my own um uh not really um not obsessively not every night like I was when I started blogging and going to see like star time bands mm-hmm. um yeah and of course like got obsessed with you know the walkman um and uh well, I, f- I feel like those first two albums for me are and i'm sure for you as well are just so iconic and i feel like uh, of a lot of a lot of the music from that period that was super new york buzzy guitar based a lot of it i don't revisit but I feel like um, fairly recently I was listening to um, Everyone Who Pretended to Like Me Is Gone, and that album is still so great. Uh, and actually, the, I was particularly kind of moved recently again by the more softer songs on that release. So we wanted to do a segment called Repeat and Skip, where we like talk about uh, an album and repeat would be like our favorite track on the album and then skip would be like the worst track on the album Mm -hmm. and these are all kind of classic albums from either our youth or early 20s or or that period when we were heavily blogging yeah so i guess we'll do the walkman uh everyone who pretended to like me is gone um my favorite track my anthem uh from my 20s is definitely we've been had um i felt like that every time that song came on i felt like that was my track and i i think i remember maybe um 
Ultra Girl or somebody mm-hmm. DJing. Well, that's a name I haven't thought of in a little bit. <laughs> this very song when I entered a room once, uh-huh. <laughs> and that's how associated <laughs> with the Walkman. <laughs> it's actually, I mean, the, from the opening kind of piano uh, part of that song, I feel like it's a good walk into a room kind of track. Definitely, yeah. like an entrance song yeah, or and something. And it kind of builds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I really love this whole album. Um, I. You know Hamilton Lighthouser. Uh, I worked with briefly at a at a venue that I that I work with for my day job now, um, and he kind of avoided most Walkman songs, but he did play Blizzard of '96, which is such a great track. Um, but I would, so good. I love that, and that's one of the softer ones on this release. I think if I were to pick one or two that I like, love, love, that would be at the top of my list. Um, I mean, outside of the singles like Wake Up and We've Been Had, I think I would pick maybe that's the punchline. I love uh, that song. So good. Um, maybe that's the punchline and Blizzard of 96, actually. Uh, but, I mean, the whole album is so solid, and I, I still think it sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you do? What would you skip on this What album? would I skip? Um, I think I might skip the opening track. I felt mm. like um, Wake Up is such a strong uh, tune, and I feel like they're winning um, – I don't know. I, I understand how it's kind of building up the rest of the release, but kind of unnecessary in my opinion. Yeah, I actually agree with that. It's either they're winning or I don't know, rue the day. I don't for some reason I can't even remember how that track goes. I yeah. That's <laughs> one of the more forgettable ones. Right. Um, yeah. Everything else I feel like I know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. So Matt, what would you say is a band that you were like championing? like and going to see all the time and kind of really just gung-ho about so i would say one band that i kind of uh was a huge fan of and and saw many times and uh became really passionate about early into my blogging days was the antlers back in the day the antlers were just uh it was just peter peter silverman and he would record these stunning tracks with an acoustic guitar it was very much like bedroom simple recording um but I was just struck by his voice and the uh, the rawness of the lyrics. And for me, it was very reminiscent of maybe Jeff Buckley. I mean, I always uh, maybe that's kind of a lazy comparison, mm. but I really yeah, I, I thought that. It, the, the vocals were similar and, and just kind of um, I don't know. I was just drawn to to his to his voice. And, um, you know, I saw him many, many times at smaller venues across the city and. He's always been great, and I and you know booked him a bunch and whatnot. And then fast forward to uh, a f- you know a few months before he before the Antlers became a full proper band, and um, they properly put out Hospice. I remember Peter sent it to me in advance, and it sounded nothing like the earlier releases because this was so um, sweeping and huge and 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 kind of I don't know the the term is so overused, but it was epic at the time. Um, and I was really uh, floored by it. Um, and you know, uh, they had some ups and downs and then kind of split, but now they're back, uh, at least partially back. Um, and I think that's great. And, you know, they're doing this anniversary tour for hospice. It's actually been 10 years. And, uh, I just think it's one of those albums that still holds up. It's, it's really, uh, it's moving. It's, uh, sincere. It's honest. Um, and yes, yeah, so I figured this would be a good one to kind of play, uh, repeat, and skip with. Um, 
it, this is a tough one for me because I, I love this album so much and um, there's not too much I would skip. And I at the same time, I feel like they're all kind of favorites, but I would say my number one favorite on this album is maybe uh, Sylvia, which I feel like kind of tells the story um, of the release. For those not familiar, it's a concept album. Uh, you definitely should give it a listen. Uh, it, it's a concept album about this uh, kind of sort, possibly sorted relationship between uh, a patient and a nurse. Um, it has many layers beyond that, but that's kind of the theme here and um, and their romance and then kind of how it all kind of falls apart. It's, it's really a beautiful, at times sad release. But yeah, Sylvia kind of uh, is the moment where Peter's voice really soars and the story, you kind of understand the story a little more. Um, so I would repeat that one. And then um, in terms of Skip, uh, maybe uh, Wake, which is towards the end of the release, only because I feel like it lingers a bit. It's almost nine minutes long. Um, and yeah, that's what I have to say. I, I love the Antlers. I still love the Antlers and I'm super excited they're back. And uh, and I feel like that's one of those bands, you know, there were so many bands from that time period that we championed and then, you know, didn't necessarily have their moment or it was very short lived, but to see them kind of graduate from these smaller rooms to bigger rooms and uh, gain all this acclaim was really exciting. Yeah, I think that was part of the allure of like going to shows too, is like to like discover a band before anyone knows who the heck they are and then just see them kind of go through like I was calling it like Bowery like the school of rock at one point because <laughs> I felt like you would start at Mercury Lounge and mm -hmm. then you know you go to Bowery Ballroom and then what was after that uh, do we want to go above 14th street <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I feel like there were like three rooms that they booked back then it was Mercury Barry and Music Hall, I guess. I guess. But yeah, that, that a opened after. a little later. Yeah. What was like their big, did they have like a bigger Well, there room? was stuff at Webster. Oh, yeah, Barry Webster. That's what it was. Which is also bad. Which I always year. forget about that Barry was doing that. Yeah. I feel like it ran through so many hands over the years. Yeah. But, um, and, and now it's like they don't even book those rooms. Maybe no. this is too industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do know what well, Webster Hall, I feel like, is world known or what, what I remember when I was in uh, high school and they would play the commercials on Z100, which was you know, it's still around is like the New York pop rock station, whatever. And they would always say like uh, internationally known Webster Hall. You, you yeah. know that voice that does like the clubby commercials. But Webster on the Hall radio. was like the worst. It was like the worst <laughs> because you know what? I remember back at this time period when we would go and see for argument's sake, like the rapture, and they were in the main hall. But then downstairs, it was the terrible 80s dance party, yeah. and the crowd it brought in was um, not our people. <laughs> <laughs> not to sound snobby, but uh, just like not our people. <laughs> for so long, I felt like I didn't even know that there were like multiple rooms. I think I, think I was just confused. <laughs> I was just like, where are all these people coming from? Yeah. I don't understand. What's and going I do on. recall web, I mean, I've been there in a while because it's been under renovation, but. You can easily get lost in there because there were so many rooms of varying sizes. So you can go from seeing whatever band, Hot Chip, a uh, band that was big back then, um, and then you're suddenly in a room that is, 
I don't know, like a hip hop themed room, and you and you're like, I just want to find the exit. <laughs> Not that I don't enjoy <laughs> hip hop, but I just um, the show's over, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and now it's like I don't know, I don't know what the modern day kind of progression of where you start out. I guess there's just like so many now. Like back then, it was just like a few. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and then some kind of like Todd P kind of DIY venues, you know, Um, but like legit venues, like there weren't that many back then. No. Um, Um, You know, when you said Todd P, it made me think of these. I'm sure you were at them as well. The old motherfucker parties. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I I mean, that's like a whole other scene. Yeah, that is a whole scene. (laughs) But I also feel like that was, I don't know, 05, 06, 07, Mm. 08. Um, And I just have really fond memories of, you know, having one too many whiskeys and, and dancing <laughs> to various new, you know, yeah, new wave stuff. And I don't know. It was a, it was a fun time. Uh, those were fun parties. You know? Yeah. Like, I feel like it was more like expression and how you looked too mm-hmm. at those parties. And like, um, it felt more like, like conscious of like your look, like you, you had to have a look. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the people involved, it's like maybe you wanted to be them or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, so many s- different scenes mm-hmm. <laughs> within the big scene. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, the first venue that I really kind of, um, like, true origin would be, like, Lux in Williamsburg. Of course, yeah. You know, I hung out there, like, all the time. I actually saw like a ton of bands there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one that doesn't get thrown out a lot in terms of old school New York venues, but that was... That surprises me. <laughs> I, I, I just feel like it's not a, I don't know, it's not a venue that gets thrown around a bunch, but so particularly that whole, and the term is so silly now, that whole electro-clash movement, but yeah. really, that really stemmed from there. I remember seeing Peaches there, I remember seeing Fisher Spooner there, um, yeah. and they were fr- that was like the venue they would play when they were in New York. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously Fisher Spooner was local, but other acts that were along yeah, yeah, yeah. in the same bubble yeah. would all play there. Yeah. And yeah. Totally. Um, I know. And like, uh, it was wild, and it was like very like punk and attitude, mm-hmm. and it's kind of where um, I threw like my on the moon music kind of parties that I was was trying to like create like a community and so I would just have these like showcase parties where I'd have a few bands play and people would just like come Mm -hmm. and hang out Um, and then um, and I did them at Lux because someone I worked with their boyfriend was like the sound guy (laughs) at Lux and um and then through them i like befriended a bunch of other people at the club and including like one of the owners slash like the guy who did all like the crazy psychedelic designs like Mm -hmm. in the place and um and kind of like learned like how to throw a show i didn't know anything and um and also like helped me handle my first artist writer I ever Mm -hmm, got mm -hmm. (laughs) I learned a lot of things at Lux (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah like now it doesn't exist now it's trash bar 
is Trash Bar even still exist still? I don't even does know. Does it not? I oh, my God. Maybe it does. I don't oh, know. Now I feel like Mine I have to closed. Google this. <laughs> no way. Let's see. Ah! Oh, my God. You're right. It closed. <laughs> yeah. A little while ago. Oh, 2016. Well, three years ago. <laughs> I, I clearly don't go to Williamsburg <laughs> very often anymore. No. Um, I just recall because I know someone who was doing a show there and, and uh, he had billed it as something like one of their final shows. And I said, oh, really? Jeez. I mean, it did la- maybe last a little too Test long. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, now it's a boutique boxing gym, guys. Well, that's that. You know, that's a whole nother conversation. How New York is what it has become. Um, but. Another one yeah. bites the dust three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> 2016 wasn't a good year for various <laughs> reasons. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to trash bar a lot, guys. No, Come no, on. no. Well, I think that's the thing is that who who was the client? When was the last time you were at trash bar? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, wait. One quick thing about trash bar made me think of the party trash that DJ Jess used to throw at Oh, goodness, what's the bar in the East Village uh, that I used to go to all the time on 2nd Avenue? Lit? Oh, Lit. my God. <laughs> um, yes. And rest in peace, Jess, because uh, he was the best. But uh, it was th- it was such a fun party and also uh, a similar vein to uh, Motherfucker in terms of uh, what they would play. Um, and also kind of like everything goes. And, you know, there would be, I don't know, like the, the most hipster of hipster. And then you know uh the lgbt crowd and then there was some random stripper and then you kind of had a little bit of everything you know yeah. um and then like the tiniest space yeah it was super tiny um i just have fond memories there. i remember even actually doing new year's there once ages Definitely, ago yeah yeah always hot and sweaty always oh god it was always about <laughs> a thousand degrees down there. total like weird basement party like people watching it was definitely like checking the crowd out like downstairs and then like every once in a while you'd surface to the top floor just to catch a breath or like go out and have a cigarette like back when I smoked cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, good and bad memories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the party um, at Don Hills, which was called. Uh, Tiz was. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. It was so popular. Yeah, that was a fun party. I remember, uh, I mean, I, I've been, I was at that party uh, many, many times. I recall a fun night involving the Ravenettes DJing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Which was another buzzy band at that time. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. I forgot about them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like lots of um, moments of shouting, like common people by pulp or like girls, Bo- and, girls boys. and boys. Girls and boys. Of course, of course. Uh, like. And always level terrace apart. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there were certain staples. And to this day, I want to hear that stuff. If yeah. I can't go like dancing. When I want to go, that's what I want to. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I kind of miss those kind of dance parties. But if I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I don't really go dancing too much anymore. But yeah. Well, we have to revisit that curfew. Yeah. Well. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't want to, you know. I remember Big Mouth Strikes Again was always, you know. There were certain so many. artists and tracks that were always in there. People are people. So yeah. Yeah. Such good stuff. Yeah. Um, A lot of good memories, you know. Um, yeah. 
So, yeah, some good times. Good times. And, you know, we want to, like, keep the memories going. Yes. (laughs) So each episode, we'll come back and talk to you, share some memories, um, and uh, go down musical memory lane. I'm saying memory too much, I think. No, me- it, well, that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> the good thing is that we do remember. Yeah. <laughs> Most <it's> of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so we got to record it while we still can remember. Exactly. That's why we're doing it now instead of 2042. Or right. Whatever. Where we're like, w- where were we? <laughs> what, what was, was that, that party band? called? <laughs> oh. oh <my> <laughs> It already um, kind of feels like that, but we're not there fully. Almost yet. there, but not <laughs> quite. We're uh, exercising the muscles. Yes. Um, yeah, and so we'll talk about different songs, our favorites, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, albums from that that time frame that we loved and uh, grew up with, and still have a fondness for, and, and moments talk and about like artists and people. What it was like going to shows in New York. Yeah. And that whole like era of New York music, yeah. which I feel like, you know, it feels like a lifetime ago. It does. It was a, it was a moment in time. I mean, obviously the moment has passed, which is why it's fun to reminisce. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does seem like a different lifetime. Yeah, for sure. So that's our first episode. Yay. Uh, yay. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Mixtape Memories. Yay. See you next time. Bye. Bye.